0: Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. All right, good morning. How are we this morning? That was kind of sad. I was expecting a more um energetic i mean you had sprints you just need a vacation for your vacation is that what it is it's great to be with you great to see you all this morning great to see all the smiling faces great to hear you sing uh, today you may have guessed we're going to be talking about the goodness of god They did a great job setting me up well for that. We're going to be talking about the goodness of God. But before we do that, um, I want to give you a little bit of update. Um, For those of you who were traveling and maybe you weren't here last week, I gave a building status update that I want you to hear as well. And here's what it was. So a couple weeks ago, March 6th to the 8th, we welcomed Building God's Way and their team of architects and contractors here to our campus. And, and we talked about what it might look like to have a building on the hilltop property, MLK and 121. If you're unfamiliar with the term hilltop, we're talking about property that exists on MLK and 121. And man, I tell you what, it was a fantastic week. We had a great week. It was a long week. It was. Honestly, it was a little exhausting, but it was great. On the back end of that, um, I walked away so excited and encouraged for our future, and I think you will be too. I want you to know that on the first night of our time together, we spent three and a half hours talking about a couple different things. We did a needs analysis. We talked about our dreams, our hopes for a new building. We talked about the budget, which is honestly never really fun to do right nobody wants to talk about the budget the fact that money matters but we did because it does matter uh, we never wanted the our ideas and the concepts and all the things to get out of the scope of what we can afford because it matters uh, we want to build something right we don't want to just have a pie in the sky and never get there so uh, it was important that we did that on the second night it was really great we were able to look at some floor plans and some different things some options that we have which was really really fun and then on the third night uh, we were able to see all of our thoughts hopes dreams all come to fruition in some renderings we got to see a picture of what the exterior building may look like uh, we got to see some floor plans and and see that narrowed down and and man I tell you it was so encouraging perhaps my favorite thing out of the whole you know charrette process uh, was was watching a group of folks come together and not talk about a building we were there to talk about a building and you know what we ended up talking about we talked more about ministry how we can encourage equip and train people to reach the next generation of people Man, it was awesome to see a group of people come together, not for a building, but to talk about how we're gonna reach people for the generations to come. And that's what I want you to focus on as we continue through this process. We're not talking about walls, we're talking about a tool for ministry that's gonna help us encourage, train, and equip you to reach the next generation of Jesus followers. And that is so encouraging, and I'm so excited. Now here's the next steps that you need to know. I wrote them down because I didn't want to mess them up. All right, so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to finalize... kind of the product, so to speak. And so as we're doing that, we're still working with a team. We've got a meeting today at 1.30. You can be in prayer over that. But we've got a meeting today. We're gonna to talk through that, try to finalize a little bit more of where we wanna go, what we wanna do. And then once that's done, then all of that's gonna to go to uh, the contractors. The contractors are gonna bid it all out, figure out, the, okay, this is what it's gonna cost. And then we're gonna have a final cost estimate. This is what it's gonna look like for you to build what you want and all of those things. Once that happens, that takes about five, six weeks. Okay. once all that happens, we're gonna come to you and there's gonna be an opportunity for everybody to come together to hear about all this stuff that we've been doing for, for several different months. We're gonna come together and you're gonna get to hear about all that and there will be some form of decision point that we will make in May. So keep your eyes and ears alert for that date. It's gonna be a great day and I'm excited about that. Okay. On to the goodness of God. Y'all ready? Ready? All right, let's talk about the goodness of God. When, when you think of the word good, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? what you think about it? Maybe some of you think about that favorite dessert that your grandma makes at Thanksgiving. It's like, oh, so good. Maybe you think of that friend, coworker, family member, and you just think, oh man, they're just such a great person. I just love them. Maybe... Maybe you think of that teacher or that coach that had a significant impact in your life and you just think, golly, they were a great coach. Oh, man, I love them. Or maybe, maybe you're thinking of that shot that you made on number 17, the par five over the water, that approach shot, you put it 10 feet from the green, you've you've made double bogeys all day, but because of that one shot, it keeps you coming back because somebody said, man, that was a good shot. Right? What comes into your mind when you think about good when i was thinking about that i realized that we use good in a pretty broad way don't we even the oxford dictionary has two definitions for the word good here's how the oxford dictionary describes it good can be uh, defined as describing something as desired of or approved of meaning that she is really good at soccer or he is really good at teaching the other way that the word good can be used is to declare something as good. In other words, we can say that Johnny is a good person. Johnny's a good guy. That means that he's upright, morally upright. Uh, he typically makes pretty good decisions. We would say that Johnny is good. However, when it comes to God, all of these definitions and the way that we use the word good falls short. God is not merely morally upright. He is not merely righteous, but he is perfectly so. He is perfectly good. In fact, all that is good flows from him as the source of all goodness. He defines what is good. He declares what is good. In fact, God's very character defines goodness and righteousness for all that he does is good, right, and perfect. This is the core of who God is. The core of who God is by his very being and identity is good. In John chapter one, verse five, first John chapter one, verse five, John puts it like this. He says of God, God is light, and in him, there is no darkness at all. That means there's no evil in God. There's no corruption in him. That he is absolutely and totally perfect in all that he does, all that he says. In Psalm 52, verse one, King David writes of God, he says that the goodness of God endures eternally. It endures continually. That same word that he uses there uh, for God's goodness. In some translations, is translated as his steadfast love endures eternally. That is, the Hebrew word has said, which means long suffering, covenantal faithfulness. His goodness, his love, his patience for you and for me endures for all of eternity. There's no end to God's goodness. To the core of who he is is in fact good it's pure, it's perfect, and it's righteous. That is God's identity. We see this in creation, don't we? I know that we've talked a lot about creation, but what you need to see about creation, the reason why we keep doing that, is because I want you to see that everything begins there. And from there, flows, it all flows from God into creation. And you see his goodness in creation, right? In Genesis chapter one, God creates the light, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. He creates the land and the sea. He creates the trees and the plants and fruit and vegetables. He creates all the vegetation. He creates the animals on the land, the birds and the air, the fish and the sea. And then finally, God creates the masterpiece of all of his creation, humankind. Real people with real faces that I'm looking at this morning. You are the masterpiece of God's creation, that he has created you in his image and then on the sixth day God steps back and Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 says that God looks out over his creation and what does he say of it behold it is very good God declares his creation good and what that means is that because everything that God created is good and because we are a part of that creation get this He's invited you and me to experience the goodness of his character and that which he has created. You and I are invited to get to experience God. And hear me, when we do that, when we set our minds, you're going to see this here in a minute when we start talking through this, when we set our minds on God's goodness, it has the power to transform everything about our lives It has the power to to transform the way we experience success, the way we experience failure, suffering, and everything in between. The way that we see God and the way we see his goodness has the power to transform everything about your life. And so what we're talking about this morning actually matters. It matters for you and it matters for me and it matters for Monday morning, not just on Sundays. My hope for you is that you will walk away today And you will see God's goodness in creation. You will see God's goodness in redemption. And you will walk away with a heart filled with gratitude. And when you do so, when you walk away with a heart full of gratitude each and every day, when you've got a heart of gratitude, that has the power to transform your life and the lives of all those people around you. God's goodness. Now, here's the deal. I want you to think about this because this is important. God has created you and me in the room to have five senses. Right, so he's given us eyes to see, nose to smell. It's a good thing and a bad thing sometimes. He's given us ears to hear. He's given us hands to touch. All so that we would experience his goodness. I want you to miss this. Every time that you've been outside on a hot sunny day. Maybe you took advantage of the spring break and you got outside and you've been procrastinating all this yard work over the the last couple of months. You get outside, you're working hard, you're exhausted. You come back in and there is that glass of water, ice cold water, you pick that thing up and as soon as it touches your lips, you know what you're experiencing? You're experiencing the goodness of God. You're experiencing the goodness of God every time that you bite into a delicious meal that steak oh that steak is so good oh that chocolate pie oh my goodness every time you take a bite into that you know what you're experiencing the goodness of god every time you experience that warmth of the sun on a cold winter day the sun comes up you you feel the sun on your on your skin you know what you're experiencing there The goodness of God. Every time you experience a warm fire on a cold, dark, cloudy day, you warm up by that fire, you know what you're experiencing? The goodness of God. Every time you take a breath, everybody take a breath. That's the goodness of God. Every time you hear a baby's cry for the first time, it's the goodness of God. Every time you're around a table with all of your closest friends and family and you hear laughter, it's the goodness of God. Every time you see a smile on somebody's face, you know what that is? It's the goodness of God. <laughs> Every time you smell something beautiful, oh man, what is that smell? Oh, it's the goodness of God. Every time you hear the words, I love you, I'm proud of you, hey, you're doing a great job, it's the goodness of God. Man, man, the goodness of God surrounds us. You know where else? We can go to, anybody go to the zoo for spring break? Anybody get away and go to the zoo? Every time you go to the zoo, you see God's creative nature and all these animals that he's created. You know what that is? That's the goodness of God. When you just see a diverse group of people, all in this room, diverse people, who look different, talk different, act different, maybe not run in the same circles, but we can all gather into this room, you know what that is? That's the goodness of God when you see art. Anybody love art? Yeah, got some art lovers in the room? You see a beautiful painting with all of these beautiful bright colors. You know what that is? That's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God, even in suffering. Even in suffering, even in those cold, dark days that you and I experience on just, when when, when our circumstances just don't line up the way that we think they should. Maybe we get a diagnosis that's just brutal, it's heart-wrenching, maybe we're lonely. In each and every one of those moments, all we have to do is experience God's goodness. We look up, we see the sun rise, we see the sun set. God's word says that his mercies renew every single morning. So despite what we're going through, each and every day the sun rises and the sun sets, all reminding us of the goodness of God. Now, sadly, I think so often we're so busy. Anybody busy? Y'all busy? Yeah? yeah? We're busy, aren't we? So pre- we get so preoccupied with life and our circumstances that you know what? We miss out on the goodness of God, don't we? We blow right by it. We blow right by it. Instead of embracing it and taking it in, we blow right by it. And you know what the result of that is? The result is that we miss out on what the Bible calls Gratitude. See, when we're walking in the goodness of God, it always produces in us a heart of gratitude. A heart of gratitude As a kind of summary. Paul writes in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Here's what he says. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there's anything worthy of praise, here's what he says. He says, think, think about these things. This is Paul helping us see how we walk in the goodness of God. It starts right here. It starts with the thing between your ears. He says, I want you to think on it. Think on the goodness of God. And understand, this is, this is far more than the power of positive thinking. The self-help philosophy that says, well, if I just think more positively, then, well, then maybe I'll have a good life. No, this is thinking on God, who is the source and the provision of all that is good. The self-help section in Barnes and Nobles falls short of thinking on the God who is the source and the provision of all that is good, right, beautiful, and lovely. You know, so much of my life, I don't know about you, maybe you can relate to this, so much of my life, I've missed out on, on this. I was thinking about it this week. And you know, it's funny, when you're a pastor, um, this is what they don't tell you in seminary, that anytime you're studying for a sermon, for whatever reason, it's like God's, here we go, it's God's goodness. It's his kindness to let you walk through all of the things that you're about to preach. It's kind of his unique way and maybe, maybe sense of humor of preparing your heart before you get up and preach this thing so you're not just hypocritically getting up and telling everybody else to do something that you're not doing. And so God's been working on my heart and so I'm sitting here thinking about God's goodness and I'm like, man, I have I miss out on this. I'm so busy, I'm so preoccupied, I'm so busy just running through life, doing this, doing that, getting to this meeting, to the next meeting, that I just totally miss out on God. And so, so much of my life, I've missed out on that. And and, and here's Here's the reality. When we do, we allow these things to harden our hearts and to rob us of the joy that is ours in Christ. You know, I look back on my life and I think, man, I think of so many times where I've been overly critical. Ever been critical? Just overly critical? I'm not talking about a critical mind. I'm talking about a critical spirit. We're just, everything in your life, you're just critical of. I was ungrateful been deeply frustrated. I've had seasons of my life where I've allowed experiences and different things to just rob me of so much joy, so much life, and not seeing the goodness in the circumstances. You've been there? I've been in that place where I could walk in a room and man, I could criticize any good thing. You ever experienced that? You can walk into a room and man, great things are happening and you're just picking it apart. Oh, but if they would have just done this, if oh, they need to do this, man, oh how many times I have been there. And and see what I realized about my life, and maybe you can relate to this, is that that I would would build these standards for my life, and I start building a standard for everybody else's life thinking that I know better than everyone else. I know you haven't been there. And here's here's what I realize: I'm making myself miserable, and oh by the way, everybody else around me is miserable too. Isn't that God's goodness and kindness to remind us of that? And, and then I had a friend. I remember a very vivid memory. I was working through all of this. This is about 15 years ago. And I had a good friend remind me of what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. Here's what he says. He says, For we have we, we've, we've already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Well, that was a little pessimistic. But Paul continues in verse 23 of chapter three as a summary statement. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, you may be like me, and maybe you've read this text this way. For all have sinned and have fallen short the glory of God. But I was reminded that that word, fall, is not past tense. It's present tense. We are all falling short of the glory of God. See, God has this perfect standard. You and I set standards. God has a perfect standard. And what you and I, what we all need to hear this morning is that every single day, I am falling short of God's good, perfect, right Standard For my life <laughs> We're all in the same boat We're all paddling upstream When it comes to God's perfect standard God has established this righteous, righteous standard That we're to live by And even on our best day We fall short of his perfect righteous standard Now there's this kind of misnomer That, that we have And maybe you've said it I've used this We Sometimes we'll say Well, well, well people are basically good got to think about that but based on whose standard whose standard are we using when we say that because even jesus says in mark chapter 10 verse 18 he says no one is good except for god alone maybe i can illustrate this point in this way have you ever heard of the 10 commandment test anybody ever heard of that the 10 commandment test i've got the i've got a slide up here for the 10 commandments i want you to see that all right, so here's, here's the Ten Commandments, right? Exodus 20, God gives Moses and the people of Israel, he gives them the, the Ten Commandments. Now, the Ten Commandment test is this. I want you to look up there, and I want you to think about this. How long in any given day does it take for you to, to blow it on one, two, three, four, five, maybe all of them? If you were to grade yourself and you were to be critical of yourself, I want you to do that for just a second. How long does it take for you to go, man, boy, I'm falling I'm not, I didn't fall short, I'm falling short of that standard. And you know, somebody in the room might go, well, 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 what about the New Testament, right?" right? When Jesus came, he fulfilled the Old Testament law. Yes, he did. And you know what he did? He deepened it. He took the outward obedience that Moses instructs the people of Israel in the Old Testament, and he makes it a matter of the, uh, the motivations of the heart. He says, for you to commit murder is simply for you to hate somebody in your heart. You ever just hated somebody? Just dislike, oh man, I just dislike them. He says, for you to be an adulterer, all, all that takes is for you to look at another man or another woman with lust in your eye he says, you're an adulterer. He says, for you to covet is simply for you to long for something that that which is not yours in your heart, to be unsatisfied, to be uncontent with what you have in your life. You ever been uncontent? I know I have. He says, coveting. You ever placed something in your life, made a good thing an ultimate thing, and found yourself worshiping it. Maybe it's power, authority, control, money, health. Ever done that? See, what I want us to see this morning is that we are all falling short of God's glorious, perfect standard in our life. Because what this test does is it reminds us of what Paul is trying to help us see, that while God is perfect in action and motive, we are not. For even the good things that we do are marred by sin. I let somebody over in traffic, I expect a wave. (laughs) Well, y'all don't do that? I do something nice for somebody, I I just want to smile. Just acknowledge that I did it. Hold the door open for somebody. Hey, thank, thank you. Isn't that nice? And yet even that, even the good things that you and I do on a regular basis still have a selfish motive. It reveals to you and to me God's perfect standard. And how you and I over and over and over and over again fall short. And Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Paul uses that word wage on purpose. What you and I deserve because of our falling short is death. It's eternal separation From the God who created us to walk with him and to enjoy him for all of eternity. Our falling short separates us from a good, right, holy, and perfect God. And puts us in our place and reminds us of who we are before him. That we are utterly and totally different. For the wages of sin is death. Now Paul, he'll go on in chapter 3 verses 24 through 25. Here's what he says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, justified by his grace as a gift, circle the word gift, through the redemption that is in Christ, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Circle the word received. Now go back to 623. He clarifies this point. He says, for the wages of sin is death, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Understand this morning that that conjunction but changes everything. It changes everything. See, guys, when you're studying grammar in school, it matters. So English matters. When you you come to the Bible and you sit here and you read this, this, this conjunction, this word but changes everything. See, what we all have earned because of our failure to live up to God's righteous standard is death. But here, God steps into this space, offers us his son as a substitute on your behalf, on my behalf, that in our failure he was perfect. He lived up to that righteous requirement of God. He endured the death that we deserved. Now note how Paul describes this act. It's a gift. It's a gift. And you know, you and I, all of us, whether you're a believer in this room or whether you're an unbeliever in this room, no matter where you stand today before God, we all have to determine what are we gonna do with the space between God and us. God's up here, we're down here. There's an eternal chasm that exists between you, between God and us. And for many of us in the room, we have chosen to, to say yes to the sin substitute that Jesus was for us on our behalf, that He came to this Earth, He lived the life that we couldn't live, He died the death that we deserved, and He is the substitute for our sin. Many of us in the room have said yes to that, and praise God. But here's the trouble. The trouble is, is we've received this gift and then for many of us in the room, for many of us in the room, we have attempted to build our own bridges and these bridges aren't bridges of wood and steel, but they're of performance and pretending performance and pretending see there's this chasm and you know I've, I've said yes to jesus i've walked out i've prayed the prayer i've done all the right things and then the more that i study god the more that i realize my own sinfulness the the bigger that gap becomes and rather than allowing jesus by his grace to to bridge that gap on our on our behalf Here's what we do. We start measuring in that gap. And so we start uh, creating these standards of, of performance, of these things that I have to do to gain God's favor. And we build this, this, these standards that I'm to live by. And we build these standards that everybody else is supposed to live by. And, and we grade ourselves based on that standard, thinking that if we achieve these things, if we do all the right things, if we make all the right decisions, then God will somehow approve of me. And you know what else? We, we cast those same standards on other people, don't we? And when they fail, what do we do? We judge them. That's why Christians so oftentimes are called judgmental, because we set these standards that people can't abide by because we forget that we have fallen short too, and that we're falling short too, right? And so we try to live up to these standards also that God would go, oh, he would approve of us. And then when we're not doing that, here's what we're doing. We're pretending, Maybe you've said this, maybe you've heard somebody say, well, (laughs) it's a good thing I'm not as bad as that guy. Have you seen what he does during the week? Man, if only they were as good as me. Oh man, if only they had it all together like I do. (laughs) I can put on the suit and jacket just like everybody else. Yet knowing that each and every day I am falling short of God's gracious, good, right, perfect standard for my life. And see, it's when we realize that, that we no longer have to perform, we no longer have to pretend because we understand that it is by God's good grace that he has brought heaven down. I don't have to bridge the gap because he has bridged it for me. See the difference? See, I can't get to him No matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I pretend, no matter how many standards I put in my life or put on other people, I can never climb a ladder high enough to get to him. They tried that with the Tower of Babel, and it didn't work. But by God's good, perfect, and right grace, he has come down to me and to you so that this morning you can place your faith and your trust in him and you, that chasm will be gone forever. That's the promise that you have. If you're an unbeliever in this room, if you've never placed your faith and trust in him, that's the promise you have. But believer, the promise that you have this morning is that you can walk in that grace. You don't have to perform or pretend, but rather you can walk in the grace and the goodness of God. And you know what happens when you do that? This thing called gratitude. This is a wonderful thing, and listen, I, I, hear me, because I love you. I'm not trying to set a, a high bar here. Like when you look in the media, when you're walking around in the world, you see a lot of gratitude in the hearts of people right now? I don't see a lot of gratitude in the church either. And I think it's because we have failed to realize that each and every day, God's grace is for me too. The gospel is for me too. See, when we forget that, we show up to church because this is what we're supposed to do. We listen to a message. We go through the motions of you know, somebody getting up here and leading us in worship, but we don't really sing. We're just here. Because that's for all of those people. The message is for those people. The songs, well, those are for those people. Those people who need to be more like me, who need to get their life together. Those are the, for the people who need to be saved. All the while, we're forgetting that, that while our relationship with Jesus is secure, our fellowship is in question. That our hearts are far from God. Two and we are desperately in need of God's good grace to draw us back to him to say rest is found in me hey come here all who are weary and heavy laden I will give you rest come find your rest in me don't find your rest in pretending don't find your rest in performance come find it in me for I am good that's what he says I am good and my burden is light come to me. This morning, my hope for you, my hope for myself is that that we would walk in God's goodness. That when we step outside, I want you to step outside and I want you to slow down long enough to hear the birds chirping in the background. To be reminded that if God feeds the birds, he's gonna feed you. I want you to walk out and I want you to just take time to look at the beautiful blue bonnets that cover the field. And I want you to be reminded that if God will clothe the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, that really has no meaning and has no value. I want you to be reminded that if he will do that, how much more so will he clothe you? I want you to walk outside and I want you to fill the sunshine As it shines on your face, and I want you to feel the warmth of God's goodness over you. I want you to wake up every morning, and I want you to start every day at the foot of the cross. And I want you to end every day at the foot of the cross. And you know why? Because I've never met anybody, I've never met anybody who wakes up and starts their day off at the foot of the cross and ends their day at the foot of the cross, who didn't walk away with gladness in their heart, who's looked up at, God's, or at Christ's face, marred, beaten as it is, reminding that the perfect became imperfect for you and for me, died the death that I deserved, walked away out of the grave. And Romans 6 says that I walk out with him I've never met a person who has walked out of a grave, who's looked back and said, I can't believe that happened. Who's been critical, angry, bitter, or frustrated in life. When you begin your day and you end your day with the gospel, it has the power of transforming your life to the point when people see your life, they ought to say, goodness gracious, there's something different about them. Let me ask you, what? Would people that you work with, people in your family, would they go, man, there's something different about them? Is there anything about your life that somebody else would want? If not, it's probably because you're not walking in the goodness of the Lord. Walk in his goodness. For there you will find him to be good, and your life and the lives of those around you will be transformed. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. God, I'm reminded of those moments of Christmas. God, we're, we save up all this money, we get so excited, we've got these gifts, and we're so excited to give them to our kiddos, and, and their Christmas comes, and for the first two weeks, they are fired up, and then after about two weeks, they put that gift up on the shelf in the garage, corner of the bedroom. And Father, I'm just reminded that we do that with the gospel as well. We're so excited when it comes into our lives, but then we start doing all this stuff. We start building these bridges and we start performing and pretending. God, I pray that you shatter those bridges in our lives. I pray that you would remind us of your goodness and creation, your goodness and redemption so that we may walk away with glad hearts, thankful for the way that you have transformed us and that you are transforming us, that we don't have to stand beneath the weight of the wrath that, that is due to us because of our sin, but rather we stand in the righteousness of Christ and we are standing in the righteousness of Christ. God, thank you for this gift. Help us to embrace it and live in light of it each and every single day. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.